Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Playful Escape podcast. My name is Kimberly. And my name is Cindy. And we are your hosts. Today, it took us about four minutes to even get started on recording because Cindy discovered virtual backgrounds on Zoom. I knew they were a thing, but I didn't really look through it. Not not just the background, the um the effects. That's what it was. And apart from that, it actually took us 40 minutes to actually start recording. 30. No, 40. I got to Oh no, but you Okay, whatever. I guess. A 30 minutes. I got off at 1. It is 1:30. You got out earlier. That's a different thing. That you took longer to get ready. But from the moment I was like, "All right, let's start recording." 30 minutes. All right. So, we wanted to start off this podcast with what actually had just happened, which technically we did, which was this whole um, background stuff. To start off, we would like to say there may be some blooper scenes or audio clips in our actual released episode. So, you may hear it, you may not. So, I'm sorry if you do, or I'm sorry if you don't. (laughs) And then the next thing we actually wanted to say was what happened right before we were recording our podcast. So we were talking about what we wanted to talk about for this podcast. We spoke about what we wanted to speak about. And we were out in the living room where we can see our dogs. And all of a sudden, I see something just fall out of the sky. And I was like, what was that? That exact moment, our dog saw the same thing I saw and went absolute ape crazy and went after it and we have a double fenced area in our backyard one fence to keep our dogs contained within a certain area and the other fence is separating the backyards from our neighbors and this thing that fell out of the sky landed on our fence that's the fence that's separating our neighbors backyards i just i I didn't know where it came from it was just like came out of nowhere And that same exact moment, our dog goes crazy and hops over the second fence, which is the fence separating our backyard for him. So that exact moment, we were like, oh, no, he's going to go after whatever it was. And sometimes when he tries to climb over that fence, he can't do it. But this time he just went for it. And it was absolute craziness. My sister just runs out the door and she's like, no, what are you doing? And I was like, dude, you should have seen that from my perspective. That was crazy. Because what it was, that thing that fell out of the sky was a squirrel. (laughs) And our dog was like, squirrel. And he literally ran from climbing one fence to jumping the other fence to try and grab the squirrel. But our second fence is taller. So he reached the top, but he can't climb over it. Yeah. It's just crazy. The only thing that I saw was just him jumping over the fence and trying really hard to get to the squirrel and i was like what are you doing get over here come back he went into his house once i opened the fence properly because when he was trying to come back he couldn't go over the fence like he did originally all of the adrenaline and all of that hyperness dissipated once he tried to get the squirrel luckily he didn't get the squirrel but it was a stressful second for me that's what happened right before we started our podcast Then our next topic was something that I believe Kim wants to talk about because I'm not fully sure what it is. Well, I kind of want to continue it from last 
episode. In the last episode, we talked about the different types of advice you can give to people like entering a relationship or trying to determine where they stand in a relationship with a friend that might be more than a friend, but is not really a partner yet. Like you're in the flirtatious kind of stage. And we kind of also went off topic, but a, a majority of it was advice to give or things like that. And I just thought, what if we tried to approach the advice like we did last episode, but change it up a little bit and put it in the perspective of advice that we would want to give our past selves and maybe to any of our listeners who happen to be young, who happen to be going through situations that they may not know about right now, but they will at some point and then remember about this conversation. You basically want to hear what advice you wish you got is basically what you're saying. Yes, but without the word basically so many times. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to think and I'm trying to wrap my head around it because this is your idea. So this idea is advice that you wish you had received in the past in different aspects or like when in general i think because there's certain things that we've talked about high school we've talked about rejecting people or getting out of relationships but then we have to think about advice that we feel are necessary in life okay i have thought of something then but did you want to begin did you have something already off the top of your head since it's your topic you would think that I already have a piece of advice, but no, I just wanted to see what kind of advice you would want to give and how we can bounce advice topics off of each other. Okay, so the advice that I thought of is actually something I think I was telling you about yesterday, which is advice about schools. I know most people don't take high school seriously, so they usually make the mistake of not doing well or not caring all that much about their grades or their classes. And I was the type of student that would try to take honors classes, AP classes, really rigorous courses for the same grade level as other people, just more difficult. But these were courses that were supposedly more rigorous than the average course that was taught to my other peers. And a lot of the time, it felt like a lot of work compared to my siblings, both of them. I've always been doing the most schoolwork, most of my education. Like every class that I had, I spent more time doing work for each class. And I'm not 100% sure why that is because sometimes I feel like we had the same classes and yet I still was doing a lot more work. It could be that I'm just dumber and I, it just takes me longer to receive the same knowledge that they were or to understand the same knowledge they did. But for the most part, after the beginning stages or after the same courses, those more advanced courses required a lot more out of me. And it was really time consuming. And I was telling Kim how one of the things that I would like to advise my kids or somebody barely entering high school is don't take all the honors and AP classes. Yeah, they may look 
good, but I really do regret not having committed to taking community college courses while I was in high school because that was always an option and I knew that was an option, but I knew on top of all my existing courses, I couldn't do it. So had I not been doing the APs and honors courses, I probably could have managed an additional community college course. So I would probably advise that for high school students because you can start your college education before you actually get out of high school. And those were courses that we didn't have to pay for because we were minors. I I know I would probably tell my kids to do that eventually. And I wouldn't push them like, oh, take all honors, take all APs because everybody's different. I know I did it because otherwise I feel like had I been in regular courses and not done anything else, I would have wasted a lot of my time because I was like, that's easy. I don't need to do that. Whereas if I had those honors and AP courses, it's like I have a lot of homework I have to do. I have a lot of studying I have to do. I have a lot of tests. So I was always busy. But when I was entering community college, there was a lot of time that I didn't do anything because there's just regular college courses. So I had a lot of my time on my hands in the beginning. I think that's a really good point to bring up is the fact that everyone learns a little differently because you know my struggle with school and I don't think everyone that is listening or anyone that is listening knows what my struggle with school was as far as like not just learning but the entire journey that I had right no I was a first generation American born child to two parents that were Spanish speaking they didn't have their high school degrees they barely had their middle school degrees I believe I wouldn't say degrees but I would say education Yes, they had their middle school education, but that education wasn't in the U.S. It's different to how the school system is and then being put in a school with parents who are learning the language in America. I struggled a lot. I was taken out of classes, put into other classes, and I always felt like I was a failure in school because I just couldn't meet the expectations. I was taken out of classes to go into ESL groups. I was taken out of classes to go to reading groups. And from there, I knew I tested badly because I got really bad testing anxiety all the time that even if I knew the material, I would place below or far below average because of how badly I would test because I couldn't understand the material when I was taking a test. It's timed. It's stressful. They're asking me questions and then the questions they asked are worded very differently that made it harder for me to understand. So all of these elements combined was just terrible. And I kept going in and out of that all of elementary school and middle school. And it wasn't until my eighth grade, like the last year of me finishing my middle school to go into high school, where a teacher told me, you don't belong here. Why are you here? And he's like, you know the material. You're far ahead. You're reading Harry Potter books when Everyone else in this class are barely reading books that are meant for fifth grade readers. And it wasn't that he was discouraging everyone else. It's just everyone else has a different reading level. And the program that I was in is actually supposed to be a two-year program for us to catch up. And I think... I'm not sure, but I think he went to my counselor, the middle school counselors, and told them that I don't belong even though the the requirements of the program didn't fit. I don't know. That by ninth grade, I had 
been enrolled in honors English classes and I was able to keep up with that. But the test, again, me as a student, I know the material, I retain the material, I was able to showcase the material in the classroom, but then my test scores were really terrible because it's not an actual test of my knowledge, it's just a test of how well can I do a test. Your performance rather than your knowledge? Yes, so performance versus knowledge. And I think one of the things I would like to say to my past self is you can go on the path that you need to go on, keep pushing through, but see if you can do better. I feel like that's a little difficult. So I kind of want to bring up a random little tidbit. There's this common thing with Hispanic parents that they don't believe in mental health issues. And I wanted to mention that although our family is a little bit like that, it's also very much not because of our mom. Our mom, I don't know if we've ever mentioned what she does, but she works with people that have disabilities. And because of this, she looks at us and tries to like analyze us. She doesn't do it to like, oh, this is wrong with you. Oh, you have this disability. It just is what happened to spark her interest. That's what she likes and that's what she does. And I think that makes her a very good parent because she's observant. When Kim was little, you know how people fake like being sick so they don't have to go to school? Kim would really feel sick so she wouldn't want to go to school, but it was usually because of exams or tests. So my mom knew that when Kim was really sick, she knew, yeah, she's not faking it. Yeah, she may throw up, but she just has test anxiety. And she would still make Kim go to school. She would <laughs> give her like a trash can, plastic bag or something. It's like, throw up in there, just go to school. That's what Kim ended up having to do. She had to go through it. She had to experience it. But at least my mom wasn't like, oh, you're faking being sick because you have a test. Like, that's unacceptable. No, my mom knew that she was really feeling sick, but it was because she was nervous, because she was anxious for these exams. So she couldn't really do anything. Like, it's not like she's like, oh, no, it's okay. Don't go to school. It's like, you have to take the test. So that's what she would tell her to do. She's like, just go take the test. Don't worry about it. And I know we've probably all had this experience. For example, our family wants us to focus on our education. So education was to us like the number one priority. And I feel like it's very easy for us to think, oh, we have to do our best and anything like we have to get an A, we have to get an A thinking that, oh, education is so important. They expect excellent grades. I don't think that's necessarily true. Like Kim and I said, everybody's different. Everybody learns differently. If Kim were in honors classes like I was, but her grades were lower, that's just because we don't have the same education level. We, yeah, Kim can retain stuff or maybe I can retain stuff better. It's not to say it's like, oh, one of us is more dumb or anything. That's not at all the case. It's just everybody learns differently. And I'm going to actually give a different example of that. So Simon, my boyfriend that I talk about all the time. Which is annoying. <laughs> well, I'm going to say this example and 
I feel like I've probably talked about it. It's a thing that I say a lot. And in high school, he wasn't the smartest person, but I knew he wasn't dumb. He didn't have the best grades in certain classes. So his overall GPA was decent, not great, but decent. He was able to graduate and that's fine. And I feel like for most people, some parents don't care what your GPA is as long as you graduate. And other people is like, you have to have the best GPA. Or other people are just like, I hope you graduate. And for us, there was always this expectation of do the best that you can. Our parents never like said like, oh, you have to get straight A's. Although I will say it's a little biased that our parents try to bribe my sisters like the all the A's you get, you get $2. All the B's you get, you get $1. The C, you get like 50 cents. And anything below, you get nothing. And I was over here like, hey, I got straight A's on my last report card. Why don't I get this deal? I mean, I still don't get it. I think they were just trying to motivate her. And I was built different. Or I probably saw how much Kim struggled in things. So I worked hard to do well because I didn't want to go through the same struggle. So I guess I didn't need that same motivation just seeing Kim go through it with more than <laughs> I think the other thing about that is first generation, second generation kind of situation. I was the first one. I had to learn through it and the parents bribed me so I can retain this information. And in case you needed help, I was there to help you out. At least for middle school and elementary school in high school it was a little bit different you you weren't really the helpful one you didn't like helping too much i didn't but i was there regardless yeah but back to the story about simon that i was trying to get out was he may not have been the best high school student but once he went to his trade school for being a mechanic he got straight a's and there was this thing in his school that if you had the best grade in the class, you received a pin basically saying for this lecture or for this course, you received the best grade out of, say, like the 20 students that were in his class. And him and his friend actually would be the top two the top three, there was this other person that they were competing against all the time. So the three of them basically had all of the top grades. So if it wasn't one of them, it was the other. If it wasn't the other, it was the next one. So it was between the three of them. They were always competing to get the best grade in the course. And that's a complete difference compared to who he was as a high school student. He didn't get straight A's doesn't mean that he didn't know how to do the work it's just people learn differently and when he went to his trade school that's more hands-on learning yes there is exams and work you have to do on paper you so you have to know the material but there was also actual physical building and doing things together that helped him understand the material so that he didn't have issues so that could be why some people are not doing well. So to those people who are actually out of high school and maybe didn't get the best grades, consider doing something like that, something hands-on where you can learn better because that could be your cup of tea. Yeah, and I think a follow-up with that is depending on the hobbies that you're into, there are occupational centers that can teach you the 
trade for photography, for graphic designing, for programming. And I think that's a really interesting thing to address is previously to becoming the student and getting the degree that I have now, I was in computer engineering. I loved computers. I love learning about the computers, the hardware stuff, but I couldn't code. I couldn't learn how to code and I couldn't get past the math and the sciences because that's not my cup of tea. And my freshman year of college, I took an English course that happened to be a remedial course, again, because I didn't test well, that the teacher told me, again, you don't belong in this class, but I can't do anything about changing your placements here. I think you should consider being an English major. This professor did not know what I was majoring in. Like most freshmen, she assumed I was undecided. And I had told her, I'm thinking of doing computer engineering. And she said, okay, if you're doing computer engineering, consider minoring in English because it would help. Two, three years later, when I didn't get a lot of my major classes... But I took a lot of general education. And when I got into the engineering classes that I needed, I couldn't keep up. So I completely changed gears and went into English. And that's where my GPA changed dramatically. The semester before I changed it, I had a 1.6 something GPA. It was terrible. It was the worst. I kept feeling like a failure. The moment that I changed my major, it went from like a 1.6 something to a 3.5. It wasn't 100% great, but you can see that there's different subjects and then there's different types of learning and there's different trades and situations in your life that also heavily influence your education. Yeah, that's a good point. I wanted to add like to this whole education and advice thing. You said the beginning two years of your college career, you were taking general education classes. I basically did the same thing, but I did it all in like community college. And although I don't regret it, I do want to give the advice that depending on your major, well, I'll give two different pieces of advice. One piece of advice is you don't have to go to your preferred four-year university or Cal State right out of high school because it's a lot to ask of a person to already know what you want to do. And I changed my mind God knows how many times. So it wasn't ideal for me. I am not at all saying that you should be ashamed of going to community college. That's the route that I ended up taking and a lot of my other friends ended up doing as well. Because when you're in community college, you can actually take those general education courses at a much more affordable price. When you transfer, you could already have those general education classes done without debt, which is saying a lot depending on your semester. But a full-time student at a Cal State ranges from like $3,000 to $4,000. And if you're doing two years of general education, that's a lot of money. Very quickly, that was $16,000 in debt. And if you don't know what you want to do, that makes it even more difficult because those two years could go to three years to four years or more. And switching majors can be difficult when you're already in the Cal State or university you're supposed to, well, you want to be in. But when you're in community college, if you have an undecided major, you don't have to focus on anything. If you have a major and you know you want to stick to that major, I would advise going to 
a counselor. That way you can help guide your general education classes to be primarily classes that you're going to need for your major. There's also, what is it, assist.org that helps tell you what classes you can take from your community college that are equivalent to the courses to the school you want to apply to. So for me, when I decided that I was going to be in some type of engineering without knowing what exactly, I did go to assist.org and I knew I needed all the physics, all the math, and some chemistry. After my general education I had to make the decision, okay, let's start taking those math classes and those science classes and some additional general ed classes. I feel like had I not done those classes, it would have made it more difficult for me to get accepted because when I get accepted, there's a lot of impacted majors at my school, especially when everybody wants to go to the school for engineering. And then there's impacted classes that you may not even get in the class that you want or need. Luckily, I didn't really have to deal with those issues because I had taken a majority of my classes. But my second piece of advice is that if you're doing something difficult, it's sometimes nice to balance out your difficult courses with general ed classes. So what I would advise in that case is try to do those placement tests because I think all schools have those placement tests where you have to. Not anymore. Really? Okay. I'm a tutor at a local community college and I was a TA when they started implementing a new thing to avoid placement tests in these both of the school systems. One school system where I was working in is just like a semester behind the other school system. They are eliminating placement tests to go into colleges. I think they still want you to do the SAT and the ACTs, but they don't want you to go and do an actual test at the school that you're going to be attending to figure out if you place below or above the college level, entry level courses. Now they're, I believe, basing it on your high school GPA and the grade of the course. So say for math, the highest math you took is algebra two, then they're going to say, okay, you are supposed to take the college level math. Mm -hmm. In high school, you did all four years of English. In the last year of English, you got a C. Then maybe you should be in the college level English. But the college level English with a class that has an embedded tutor or extra teacher in that class that would hold a workshop to give you extra guidance. Or there's a level where you go to the English 101 by yourself with just the teacher. So there's different tiers of that. So they eliminated that within our local environment. I don't know about everywhere else, though. I will say that's kind of nice and kind of sucks. Kind of nice because had I had that, I would not have been placed where I was. I don't do well in the English speaking language or in any language, probably. I'm not bad at exams. It's just that for whatever reason, most of the English questions tend to be really confusing to me, especially when it's just like your standard old English exam where they're just asking you about sentence structure and grammar because there are different ways of speaking and saying things and there are different ways you can interpret it there's too much in english so is that that's why i tend to i didn't test well in most of my english stuff but when it comes to interpreting other works i can do that <laughs> 
that's pretty easy because there's so many different ways to interpret it. You just have to sell your professor on the selected method you are writing about. When it comes to the testing, they don't do interpretations because English is mostly interpretations. They focus on the syntax, which is the sentence structure, the grammar, and your comprehension for it. Mm -hmm. And even if you comprehend the material, they're wide variety of sentence structure makes us second guess what the right answer is in those tests. And I hated them, which is also another thing and another reason why I placed two levels below English 101 or the equivalent of English 101 when I had to do my placement test. And the same with math. But math is, uh, that math is, yeah. Math is math. Math and I don't mix. <laughs> you math interrupted and me. I do not mix. <laughs> we do not mix. We are better further apart. It is a long distance relationship that I do not need to bother calling them. You're just made up of different densities. But I think this is really good advice for anyone entering college. But for people who already finished their schooling and are trying to live with their life, what kind of advice would you offer them? Them? Oof. I don't know. I'm not living my life. I'm trying to think. But just like, okay, advice for your past self, not education-based. Yeah, I was about to say, not education-based. I feel like this is related to a question that I always think about. And I probably have already mentioned in this podcast where if somebody ever asks you, if you had a wish to like change anything about your life, what would you wish for? Which basically is like equivalent of what mistake would you erase from your life or redo or what would you change? And I tend to usually think I wouldn't wish for anything or I wouldn't change anything about my life. But I think the main reason for this is because if you change anything about what you have experienced, you won't be the person you are today. So if I say, oh, I hated my relationship before I met Simon, so I, I would change the fact that I ever dated that guy, that would severely affect my relationship with Simon. I, I wouldn't want to change anything about my last past relationship or my past in general because it would affect the way I see my relationship now or the way I feel about certain things today in this day and age. We learn from our mistakes. Although I have the advice right now probably to give to my past self, my past self, first of all, will most likely not listen to me. And then second of all, we'll probably make other mistakes. It's difficult to say, it's like, oh, I'd advise myself not to do this because this happened as a result. That result taught me something. These mistakes led me to be the person and human I am today. So I wouldn't really want to change anything. I don't have any advice that I can think of off the top of my head that really is crucial to my upbringing or anything I experienced. If I could travel back in time, I would go back to the day that I got electrocuted to see what actually happened. Just to see, not to alter anything. Yeah, I think that's going to be a really good topic to bring up. If you can go back in time and observe instances in your life without changing them, what would you want to change? So maybe the next episode. Wait, I'm sorry. You said no. without <laughs> changing them, what would you want to change? <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I, I meant we weren't changing them. <laughs> no, well, change the way you remember them. What do you mean? 
I'm going to say it all over again. If you can go back in time and observe any instance in your life without changing them, what time would you want to go to? Why? I see. A follow-up with that is the advice to the past self maybe isn't the best way to phrase this, but I think it's better in a sense, what advice would you provide or what lessons would you want to teach your future children? Besides the basic learning how to read, learning how to write, manners, those kind of things, what are things you learned right now or are continuing to learn that you think your future children should learn and maybe everyone else needs to be aware of? So what you're asking me is what knowledge do I have that I believe I can share to anyone currently or in the future that can be beneficial? Yes. All right, buckle up, guys. I have no advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't even need to get too into depth with any of these advice, but like generic, okay, I want my future child to be free and learn to accept themselves. Yes, but I think that's going to be difficult because that's based on their upbringing. So while I'm trying to raise them, I have to do things that are basically being positive towards them, you know, not putting them down or when they put themselves down, make sure they realize like you shouldn't be doing that. You don't have to do that. But yeah, I feel like that is important. I do want one of the things that Simon and I have often spoken about is we want them to know that we are there for them. And there's multiple aspects of that. But say you're a kid that gets bullied at school, I wouldn't want my kid to struggle with that alone. So I'd want them to feel comfortable enough to tell me or to tell Simon. And that's something that I I would strongly want to instill in my kids that it's okay that this happened to you or to feel comfortable like not fully understand it because it's hard to understand why people get bullied. I mean, now as an adult, you can probably think like they feel worse about themselves, which is why they make you feel bad. Or they're just, I'm sorry, just bad people. And that's something that I feel like it's really difficult to understand as a kid. Maybe they don't have a good home life and they spread that unfortunate attitude behavior to other people. And that's one thing that we always talk about that we would want our kids to know. It's okay to talk (laughs) to your parents. And I know, unfortunately, that most kids don't always feel 100% comfortable with their parents. So that may not 100% be something we will have. But I wouldn't want my kids to feel alone. And I think that goes with everybody. I guess my advice is just because you feel alone doesn't mean you are alone. And I think, I don't want to say got this advice directly, but like I kind of offhand received that advice. Although the whole world can seem busy, your problems, although they may not seem huge, if they're big to you and you need to talk to somebody about it, you can. Even if the world seems too busy for it, it's better to talk to somebody about it. So that advice is you're not alone. You can minorly interrupt people's lives to talk about your problems. And I've actually noticed that this is something Kim has become more comfortable doing, which is good because you get it out and you're not alone when you're doing it. And it's something that for the longest time I was just dealing with. If I had an issue, it was just me dealing with my issue. 
instead of me sharing my issue with Kim and then dealing with it. So I will advise for those people who feel like they are alone, I'm sure you have that one person that is a good friend or a good sibling or somebody that's going to listen or give you advice or anything. You, you all know who that one person is to your, yourself. Don't feel like you're disrupting their life with your problems. Yeah, with your problems. Because if somebody's willing to be there for your problems, they're willing to be there for your your downhills and your uphills, which is nice. And if those people don't want to be there for you when you have problems, you should find a new person. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but maybe talk to them if they really are important to you and be like, hey, I'd like to talk to you about something. I know we don't like talking about negative things, but I don't want to go through this negative time on my own so it could help me if you would just listen and help or just listen in general because when you need me in your negative time I will be here yeah that's actually really good advice we are all here for one another we just happen to be very focused on our own problems and letting that out builds a stronger bond and allows us to overcome those problems yeah and I feel like you you said something that really reminds me of something else. You basically said we're all living our own lives. And that yes, that is true. We are. But that also can feel very isolating. For example, there's this book that I read in college that spoke about how somebody received news about uh, an illness or disease that they had. And to them, it felt like the whole world, their whole world was ending. But when you look around, your world doesn't affect anybody else. And that can feel very isolating. But if everybody else knew what you were going through, they would feel sympathy, like, I'm so sorry you're going through this. So back to what I'm trying to say, don't be afraid to talk to people because you're going to be able to connect with people. And that's really important. Building off of that, everyone is at a different stage in life. And the only instance that I can think of to kind of explain it or to kind of address it is when someone has a death in the family. It's happened to us a couple of times where someone passes away and we feel the burden of the loss planning for the funeral or doing a service or just mourning the loss but a different family extended family or on the opposite side of the family say the death was on our dad's side our mom's side would probably be celebrating a birth or celebrating a birthday or celebrating some other thing and being in the middle of it you can see where some people are celebrating life and some people are mourning the loss of a life but celebrating in their life in a different way and that's a really good thing to bring up everyone is in different stages and the world has to keep going time keeps going one life ends while another one begins and it's really upsetting to think about it in that way but it happens and unless you share those situations we don't know what's going on yes yes this is true i didn't expect this podcast to get very deep with Advice for your past self. 
<laughs> I mean, I think advice in general can get very, really deep. When we go to talk our, to our parents for just like a small piece of advice or just to give them a backhanded topic about something, they go very deep really quickly when you're like, I was just going to tell you this thing and I've been standing here for an hour listening to you talk. Yeah, I, I suppose. Are there any other pieces of advice that you think we should share or is this a topic we may need to revisit down the line? I do not know. I feel like I've been the only one giving advice. Do you have any advice? <laughs> I think the only pieces of advice that I would provide anyone is I don't want to add on to what we have talked about. But be patient, be kind, learn to accept yourself and be the full version of yourself. Don't let others change the person you are. And if there are people who are changing you, find people who will be upfront with you and tell you that you're being different. Oh, I've had that. And I guess lastly, the only kind of advice that I would say is be the best version of yourself even when you don't feel like the best version of yourself. Them being some good words. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's it for this episode. Yeah, that seems about good to like round it off. I don't really want to add too much more. All right, well... If there are any pieces of advice that you want to share with us, it could be about anything, school, life, future, jobs. Ooh, I think job advice would be an interesting thing. But I think it'll be harder because of our lack of experiences. Please let us know. Send us an email. Follow us on any of our social media. Our social media handle is A Playful Escape. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Patreon. And Discord, we have a mini Discord server that needs to flourish. Send us an email at a playful escape at gmail.com. Tell us any life stories. Let us know what it is you want us to talk about. Anything else? Mm, no. Okay. <laughs> Until next time. Bye. Bye.